0: Episode 340 of the Biz Talk podcast. The Wichita Business Journal created this podcast because we want to provide you with some insight into the people, places, companies, organizations, and issues that are important to Wichita's business community. I'm editor Kirk Seminoff. Many business owners over the years may be looking to get out of ownership for whatever reason—financial, retirement or a desire to do something else. They often close the business, but selling the business is another option. Todd Bailey of Transworld Business Advisors joins me in this episode to talk about why selling a business is often a better move than shutting the doors completely. Todd joins me in just a minute. But first, here's a look at what's in the weekly edition of the WBJ. Our cover story this week looks at multifamily housing in Wichita. Commercial real estate reporter Josh Witt looks at why rates and occupancy has remained strong in the area during 2023, and he asks the experts what's ahead next year. Our look at multifamily momentum begins on page 12. We have two lists in this week's paper, minority-owned businesses and credit unions. We rank minority-owned businesses by number of employees, and we break down credit unions by total assets. The lists begin on page 8. Part of our mission is to help small and medium-sized businesses grow. One way we try to accomplish that is through our weekly lead section. We list bankruptcies, new real estate deals, building permits, new corporations, who owes back taxes, and court judgments. Our lead section this week begins on page 16. Equity Bank means business. That's why they've created business solutions to help you solve your business challenges. Visit them today at equitybank.com. Todd Bailey is president of Trans World Business Advisors here in Wichita, and we're going to talk about, in this week's podcast, the business of buying and selling businesses. But if this week seems a little more relaxed or casual, it's because Todd and I are old friends, we're fraternity brothers, and I can say with confidence that the Wichita State Intramural Softball Program in the 1980s and the Park Board Softball Leagues of the 1990s never saw a better pitcher. Todd, welcome to the podcast.
1: I couldn't agree more, Kurt. Thank you.
0: <laughs> Deep strikes. That's all you threw, man.
1: Number one line on the resume right there.
0: <laughs> Should be. Spitting sunflower seeds and throwing strikes. You that's got what, it. That's all you did. Excellent. <laughs> you and I have known each other heading on 40 years, which is really scary at this point. It is. So you don't have to tell me your story, but, but tell it to the listeners who may not know you. Start with growing up here in Wichita and how you decided that the business career is where you're headed.
1: Sure. So I'm a lifelong... Uh, Wichita resident, Bishop Carroll, Wichita State for an engineering undergraduate degree and Wichita State for an MBA as well. So certainly a shocker supporter Mm -hmm. and really enjoy that. Um, I went to work in some manufacturing companies out of college. I actually worked for the Pizza Hut corporate office when it was still here in Wichita in the engineering department. And yes, Pizza Hut has an engineering (laughs) department. Why? Why? Um, You know, they have to develop all those products somehow, and they have to develop all the different sizes and types of pizza pans and tools to use in the back of the house. So there really is a lot more engineering and science that goes into some of those things than most people realize. I
0: actually do remember you talking about that (laughs) 30 years ago or so. So (laughs) why did you decide business for you as, as a career?
1: I, as I mentioned, I got the end of graduate in engineering, but I didn't want to sit behind a CAD tube all day, which is not the only thing engineers do. I know that, but a lot of the guys I went to school with were going to be going to uh, a lot of them to aviation to be design engineers, and I don't have the I don't have the patience to sit still for that long. Um, I've tried deer hunting; and I can't do it because I can only sit still for thirty minutes, and then <laughs> that's like me and fishing scare the deer away. Um, but the, the business of business interested me more and I got, gradually got into management and uh, from manufacturing management into general management at another company. So I was actually running the business myself. Uh, I didn't own the business, so I had a boss, of course, in another city. But I really enjoyed everything about running a business. And then that business was bought and sold several times and I had to find something else to do and was just looking for something for myself and found this business, Transworld Business Advisors,
0: which is a franchise. Mm-hmm. Tell me about the business and what it was like when you when you started, and it's been how long now? Uh, this coming spring will be 11 years. Right.
1: So it's a franchise business, Transworld Business Advisors is a worldwide franchise of business brokers like myself. We have, I'm not sure the exact number, somewhere between 250 and 300 franchise locations, mm-hmm. mostly in the United States, but some around the world. and and we just we help people buy and sell businesses. That's what we do. We are almost always working for the seller. Mm-hmm. Uh, we engage with the seller, and we do everything they need us to do to get their business sold. The first step in that is always evaluation. We do find times where business owners uh, usually don't know what it's worth, but they have an idea, and sometimes that idea is accurate. Sometimes it's not. Usually, it's higher than it then the reality sometimes is lower. Mm -hmm. But we do evaluation to start that process off because it doesn't do any good to get down that path and then find out there's a big disconnect. So we do that first and then from there we create a very comprehensive uh, business listing summary, a package about that business to show to prospective buyers. And that includes everything from the valuation to a review of the financials, review of employees, review of customers, Um, information about sales activities, marketing, advertising, HR, manufacturing, anything they do, anything and everything they do that a buyer may want to understand and that's kind of the perspective we we want to put that seller in is to say rather than being ready to sell your business let's take you back maybe ten years maybe you've got more money more energy And you know everything about this business what would you want to know about it Mm -hmm. let's put that information into that package so that those buyers are seeing everything they need to see a ton of questions
0: already (laughs) for you um where's your office here in town and how many people are in your office my office is east wichita at office park plaza okay 4601 east douglas
1: Mm -hmm. and i've got three other brokers that work for me Mm -hmm. um here in wichita
0: okay i i'm I picture a lot of things in my head, and one thing I picture is, is is the average seller who comes to you someone who has a general idea of what their business is worth, but they need help in selling?
1: We see everything across the board, honestly. Mm -hmm. That's a great question, Uh, but we see people that didn't even know they could sell their business, which still seems a bit odd to me sometimes, (laughs) but we do find people that will call us and say, hey, so-and-so referred me to you. They said I might be able to sell my business. I didn't even know I could do that. I thought I was going to have to close it. So we see everything from somebody that didn't even know they could sell it to people who have had a very comprehensive, expensive valuation performed. And maybe they've even tried to sell it already before on their own or with other brokers. So they're at the other end of that spectrum. And we see everything in between. Uh,
0: yeah, and, and so you said you work mostly with sellers. Like, what what percentage?
1: Um, in terms of where we get paid, is when I say we're working for sellers. Mm-hmm. For us here in Wichita, it's ninety nine percent or more of the time that we're working for the seller.
0: Mm-hmm. Does this cover all kinds of companies? From I know you do restaurants. Tell me what else? What other kinds of companies?
1: That's a great question. We do everything. Uh, we get requests. or or questions a lot of times and do you specialize in something and I understand that somebody that owns a a spa let's say they want to know maybe it makes sense to them that I know a lot about spas but my answer to them is yeah we're an expert at selling businesses just like you're an expert at a spa Mm -hmm. we understand how to value businesses number one which is uh, it's not terribly difficult but there is a right and a wrong way to do it and like anything in the world now you can find a lot of ways on Mr. Google and Mr. <laughs> Google doesn't always get it right. No. Um, so you know we tell people we specialize in helping them sell their business.
0: Mm-hmm. Typically, how large or small is a business? Is it? I know it can range quite a bit, but it's how big a business can you sell? I guess.
1: We interestingly enough, this in this our tenth year in business, we actually sold our smallest and our largest business of ten years. Mm-hmm. Uh, Our smallest business, we sold for $24,000, and our largest business, which we just closed on last month, was about $5.6 million. Mm -hmm. Our typical range is a couple of hundred thousand up through a couple of million. Mm -hmm. That's kind of a sweet spot, but there's really not that much difference between a $2 million business and an $8 million business if they're similar, meaning if it's a single location or a couple locations, there's not lots of complicated contracts, there's not multinational things, there's not government contracts that can't transfer. So if it's not really complicated, an $8 million business could be just as simple as a half million dollar business. On the other side of that coin, if it really is complicated with lots of different types of contracts, even a $1 million business could be be difficult, but that's kind of the range we deal with.
0: Let's say I come to you and I say, I want to sell the Seminoff widget company. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I really don't want to deal with it because I don't have time. I got other things I want to do. How how, how hands off can the seller be when you start that process?
1: And that's really what we offer is a big part of what we offer is that they mm-hmm. don't have to be part of that process. And part of what we want to make sure they're doing is continuing to run their business successfully while we're selling it. So, Selling a business is not like selling a house these days. And even though the housing market may be not as strong as it has been, I don't hear about people taking very long to sell houses now. We're mm-hmm. selling a car. Selling a business typically on average is an eight to nine month process. So even if your business is rock star solid today, if you take your foot off the gas And we're talking to buyers in six months, and they look at the previous six months of performance, and it's taken a nosedive. Mm -hmm. We've got problems. So a big part of what we offer is that you don't have to be involved. Now, on the front end, certainly there's a high level of involvement because we need your help to get everything put together, to understand the business well enough, to talk intelligently to buyers, to create that business summary that we're going to put in those buyers' hands Mm -hmm. at the same time. Once we have that, we don't want to bother you unless we have to Mm -hmm. if we have if we get questions which we always do that we don't have answers to or when we get a buyer that's serious enough that they want to meet that seller and see that facility we want to make sure they're pretty serious before we take their time our time and your time but when that happens that's when you have to get re-involved and then in negotiation and things like that but for the most part we want you to be hands-off because we want you to run that business. As, as if, and we tell everybody, run it as if you're not selling it. Because mm-hmm. number one, we can't guarantee we're going to sell it. Right. But number two, somebody buying a business wants to buy something that's rocking. They don't want to buy something that's fading. Now, we, we sell fading companies all the time, too. But if it's rocking today when you want to sell it, keep it rocking.
0: Mm-hmm. Are there ebbs and flows with selling businesses like there are with selling homes? Uh, are there good times and are there bad times?
1: It seems like there should be. It seems like it should reflect the general economy. But we haven't noticed that. Um, I think that you know the COVID situation affected everybody, but we had we had a great year in twenty, a great year in twenty one.
0: Is that because people wanted just for some reason or another wanted to sell their businesses?
1: I think it was both. They wanted to sell them, and they wanted to buy them because people mm-hmm. wanted to control their own destinies more. I think that's part of what's happened through the pandemic. Is those people who maybe thought who are a little bit more afraid to walk away from a good W-2 job and do something on their own. They saw that that W-2 job, while it does give you a certain amount of, of comfort and certainty, it also gives you a certain level of uncertainty that you can have if you own your own business. Certainly not to say that owning your own business is 100% guaranteed, mm-hmm. but you get a lot more uh, you know, personal impact on it if it's yours.
0: Mm-hmm. I asked about comparing it to home sales. Is, is your job uh, relational at all to, to a realtor or a real estate agent, I, it, or just kind of compare, because that's the first thing I think of is you're helping to sell yeah. something.
1: Definitely some similarities there, mm-hmm. definitely. So just in, in general, the, the relationship as a broker is, uh, I don't personally, my company doesn't buy and sell companies ourselves we make those connections. So the word broker, that's pretty much what it always means is that person is not buying or selling whatever they're brokering, but they're making the connection between the buyer and the seller and doing everything they can to make that connection turn into a transaction. Mm -hmm. That's really what we're doing.
0: Is there a typical type of seller who comes to a company like yours? Is it Is it somebody who's just thought it's time to get out or I'm overwhelmed or I have another really strong opportunity over here?
1: Those are all um, really good examples and we see all of those. I would say the majority of our sellers are retiring. Mm -hmm. That's usually what we're finding is, is sellers that are retiring. Now, with that said, we have people that are in their late 30s that have built a great business and they're tired of that business. They're not going to stop and go play golf every day, but they want to do something else from what they're doing. So they want to move on to something different. But the majority of small businesses like we have are people that have started that business 15, 20, 30, 50 years ago. And they're ready to just be done with it to retire. They don't have any kids that want to be part of the business or employees. And um, a lot of times the value of that business is a huge part of their retirement financing plan as well. Mm-hmm. And so they need to do that in order to ride off into the proverbial sunset, <laughs> right?
0: Uh, yeah. <laughs> I, I, I'm also imagining that, you know, and you can tell me how much, but a, a percentage of your sales of businesses are to competitors or the, the that business's competition.
1: It, it's probably not as high as you might think. And the reason I think that is because in a smaller business, it's harder for those competitors To buy another business purely to buy up their competition. Right. You know, if you think about huge multinational companies buying competition, that makes a little bit more sense. We don't see as many. Now, with that said, we try a lot. We try to do that. We have a, for example, a a landscaping company for sale right now Mm -hmm. that we just listed maybe two weeks ago. Um, We will reach out to every landscaping company within 200 miles of here and ask them if they're interested in buying a landscaping company. Mm -hmm. But we can't tell them, a big part of what we do also is confidentiality. And I know that wasn't the nature of your question, but it kind of took me to it, which is we really almost never want to publish who the company is for sale. And the biggest reason for that is employees. If employees find out that the company's for sale, there's really nothing that the owner can do to convince them otherwise that there's not a problem, Mm -hmm. right? So, and, And we run into a lot of times where the seller really has a problem with that, and it's understandable because they've got employees that have been with them for 10 or 20 or 30 years. They recognize they wouldn't have the business they have today without those employees, and doing something behind their back makes them feel uncomfortable. But we're able to explain to them, almost every time that think about it this way and this is the analogy i've used this i don't even know how many times but if i bring my employee in and i say kirk i'm gonna sell my business and i know you've been with me for 30 years and i wouldn't have this business without you but i feel bad for not telling you um i don't know who's gonna buy it and i don't know when and i don't know <laughs> what's gonna happen to you but boy do i feel better for having told you <laughs> now, when you go home that night, you're going to get your resume out, and you're going to start working on it. Right. If I wait until I've sold it, I can introduce you to the person I sold it to, and I can tell you while I, while I tell them, he knows how important you are. He knows you've been here for 20 years. You're not going anywhere. And then I walk out of the room, and then he tells you the same thing. There now, any- there's transition in both situations, but at least in the second one, there's a little bit more certainty to the situation.
0: Are there in- ever any sellers who think... Yeah, that all sounds right, but I still want you to publicize who who's selling because for whatever reason. We
1: have, yes. And usually that's in a very small company that has no employees other than the family members. Mm-hmm. So they don't have that uh, risk of employees leaving. Mm-hmm. For the most part, that's the only time we reveal that. But mm-hmm. that's pretty that's pretty rare. It's not, I mean, sometimes it happens, but not very often.
0: Do you also sell shares of businesses? We where- do not don't
1: okay we don't and the reason that we get that question occasionally the reason we don't do that is a couple things one is the places and formats for us to market our businesses for sale and advertise them nobody is nobody is looking for a partial sale those people are all looking to buy an entire business the other reason for it is again if you think about a five hundred thousand dollar business which is right in our wheelhouse somebody that owns a five hundred thousand dollar business doesn't really want a partner usually the only partner there is the spouse Mm -hmm. and if we listed that we'd be effectively telling somebody we want you to go in on this business as a partner with somebody you've never met and that never that i'm not going to say it never happens again it happens uh, but we don't ever do anything in that realm no
0: is this a competitive business do you have competitors who are also wanting to sell people's Mm -hmm. businesses out in the community
1: yeah, there's a variety of competitors in the. I mean, all over the country here in Wichita, all over the state. Mm-hmm. Um, we, of course, we feel like we do it better than anybody else does. <laughs> uh, we have a tremendous network of of buyers. We have access to data as a company. We're larger than an independent brokerage, so we have access to data that we, as a company, buy because each one of us franchisees is putting money into that pot on a monthly and annual basis. Mm -hmm. So we've just got the ability to market businesses, uh, we think, better than anybody
0: else. If a listener is thinking about selling his or her business, what would your first tips be for them, besides calling you?
1: (laughs) (laughs) Well, yeah, call me, sure. Uh, That's a really good question, and we love to get in front of people to answer that question. Mm -hmm. Part of the answer depends on how long They want to wait until they sell. Most of the people that come to us are ready to sell now. And most of those people should have called us two or three years ago. But we understand why it didn't happen. Mm -hmm. And that's fine. We can still work with those people. If you're ready to sell it right now, then calling us and we're going to work through it. And that's really, there's not really a whole lot more you can do if you're ready to sell it right now. But if you're looking one to three to five years in the future, there are a lot of things that somebody can do to prepare that business To be sold for a higher price and to sell faster. The biggest thing in our world is good books and records. You've got to have good books and records. We find, again, we see the entire spectrum, which is kind of the fun part about this business, but we find businesses that are so perfectly uh, accounted for that they can give you a current income statement, balance sheet, statement of cash flows at 505 on the day of that business. Uh, We also find business owners that don't do any accounting for themselves, and they literally give their account in a shoebox of receipts at the end of the year to do their tax returns. Now, the way we illustrate that is, what if it's the exact same company that's doing really good books and records versus the one that's doing the shoebox? We can't get the same money for the shoebox company because we can't prove it as easily. So that's the biggest thing. That's what we tell everybody. If I can give you one piece of advice on selling your business, Good books and records. Right. That's the number one. (laughs)
0: Yeah, I I can believe that. Last question, and I like to ask this of all long-time, full-time Wichitans like you and me. What has kept you in Wichita?
1: Well, I don't know. (laughs) Whenever somebody asks me, where I'm from, I say I've been in Wichita my whole life, and then I follow that by saying that means I'm either smart enough to stay or too dumb to leave. (laughs) And some days it feels like one, and some days it feels like the other. Um, My family's here. I mean, I'd be lying if I said that wasn't part of it. If if my family had spread all over the country, I probably would have looked at other opportunities. That's part of it. That's the biggest part that my family's all here. Um, I like visiting big cities. I don't know that I want to live in them. And I think Wichita, uh, from the traveling I've been able to do, has verified that Wichita has about the right amount of stuff. And I know that's a very specific answer, about the right amount of stuff. But it feels like you know we've got, it's big enough that it feels like it's a real city, but it's small enough that we don't have the hassles. Um, I always think it's so funny when people in Wichita complain about traffic. Yeah. Yeah. Um, no, I don't think we have that problem <laughs> or a rush hour. I don't, we don't really have a rush no, hour. We really you know? don't. I'm trying to remember the last time I actually sat through one whole red light in Wichita and I couldn't, couldn't tell you when it was.
0: I always just like to think Wichita is right sized. We're a big, small city or a small, big city, whatever you like. And you're right. We do have enough stuff. That's-
1: and it's doing, I'd love to bring, we don't get a lot of out of town buyers, but when they come, even in the 10 years I've been doing this, I really enjoy showing them which a lot more now than i did 10 years ago when you think about delano you think about downtown wichita you think about the baseball stadium you think about the airport you think about the greenwich plaza or not plaza but the greenwich corridor yeah. area and you think about the innovation campus people are blown away by the innovation campus right. someplace where you and i used to play golf and <laughs> now they're right. actually doing something <laughs> useful with it
0: <laughs> more useful than our, our golf games that's for sure yes absolutely <laughs> Well, Todd, thanks for joining me. Todd Bailey from Transworld Business Advisors. Um, thanks for being here, and thanks for catching up. And uh, if there's a Park Board Softball Hall of Fame, I can't <laughs> yeah. believe you're not in it yet.
1: Yeah, there's not one.
0: <laughs> thanks <laughs> so, so much. I appreciate it. That's it for Biz Talk this week, episode 340. Check out all our podcast episodes at our BizTalk hub. That's at wichitabusinessjournal.com. Thank you for listening and subscribing. BizTalk is a production of the Wichita Business Journal. Thanks very much to our sponsor, Equity Bank. Creating the business concept turned out to be the easy part. The challenges that follow is where Equity Bank comes in. Equity Bank was built by entrepreneurs for entrepreneurs. Let them help your business evolve and solve your challenges. Tomorrow is here. Visit them today at equitybank.com forward slash evolve. Be well and be safe. Have a profitable week.